How you doing? Welcome to Music Industry City's Tuesday Talkies, where we discuss what's going on in the world of music business. I'm Peter Schwinger, and joining me today are my fellow co-hosts, Sam Tall, Aisha Adamo, Stephanie Carlin, and The Duke. If there's something you'd like to chime in about, let us hear your thoughts in the comments below. Well, let's see what happened in the music video world. So Facebook, they have officially launched music videos in the US and it's gonna talk about how that's working out. YouTube removed videos in Denmark over songwriter royalty fallout. Spotify CEO Daniel X says, working musicians may no longer be able to release music only once every three to four years. How can you navigate through the hazard thought patterns and maintain a healthy mindset and how to throw out that old paradigm and embrace the new one. So let's get to it. All right. So on Friday, Tamara Hervnek and Vijay Raji of Facebook posted, today we're adding a new way for people to come together around music by bringing official music videos to Facebook in the US. Starting this weekend, you'll be able to discover, watch, and share music videos from today's top artists to up and coming bands and classics across various music genres on Facebook. Let's see, Facebook is now taking on YouTube and to discuss how that's going, Sam Tall. Sam, how you doing? I'm good, Peter, how are you? Good, good. So, hey, uh, one quick thing. You'll be getting yours in the mail. Music Ooh. Industry City mugs. I usually have a coffee with me on the show, so I, hmm. I, could, I need one so I can start to sport it in a shot. 15 ounces. 15 ounces. <laughs> That's, that should be enough. But by the, by the end of this, I'm going to be like re speed reading everything. <laughs> right, exactly. So big, big weekend for videos. Uh, I'm just going to let you get right into this. Yeah, so this is what's really interesting. There's, there's a couple of like simultaneous events that are occurring in the world of video as it pertains to music. Firstly is the Facebook thing. I think that's a, it's, it's a big motion, but it's a little confusing about how it's playing out. And the reason I say that is because I'm an avid Facebook user. I run a Facebook group that has a lot of music industry people in it. And I don't know anybody personally who got notified about the where the videos are showing up or how to engage with them. I saw some stuff about like it's really underperforming in its first weekend. Um, I'm not sure that music videos are the play that Facebook is promoting it as. But I, I mean, basically, I don't think that they're creating music videos as a destination, but really kind of treating it as more in the Facebook watch space, something to beef it up. Obviously with YouTube, it's, if I have my numbers right, it's like 5% of content is music videos, but 25% of watch time is music watching. Um, and so obviously it's an important category, but I also think it's just a matter of deeper relationships for Facebook uh, to have with the music companies. Um, and it's less about the videos and more about what the videos represent in a licensing sense and how that kind of gets them further afield. So all that to say, watch and see what happens. Um, but I don't think videos are the be all end all there. It's just, it happens to be super coincidental that the same time that that happens, YouTube loses the rights for uh, music videos in Denmark. And I'm freezing up. Is this still good? You're still, okay, you're cool. still good. Yeah. Cool. Um, the thing with Denmark is it's a small market as far as YouTube is concerned, but they have easy sway with other European countries. 
Um, it's a pretty significant, if not primary, uh, country for the majors. Germany kind of Germany and, and England come first, obviously, and then Denmark is up there in a suite of other sort of things, especially when it comes to talking about Nordic countries as a collective. So Google obviously has a turbulent history with the EU and privacy and rights and all kinds of stuff, and so the sentiment's pretty negative. The blowback is immediate. Um, with the Denmark stuff, it's a nuanced conversation because technically some reads of the situation are that other PROs can license internationally to fill that gap, but practically they won't. And that's to do with collective and reciprocal agreements that exist. And so if, for example, BMI, who have done you know, international licensing in foreign offices and inroads in other territories um, that are non-US, they could go in theoretically and you know grant YouTube those rights for the only for the works where they have exclusive first you know party dominion and not a reciprocal right, but they'd really piss off Coda, and and so they'd lose sort of the the good favor that comes there. So so there there's so much there's so much to unpack there on two things and let, let's work backwards on this. Uh, so let's talk about the YouTubes and Coda and what. They were talking about here is Coda claiming that YouTube is insisting in order to extend its temporary deal, because the deal, their multi-year license deal ran out in April. So uh, they must now agree to a near 70% reduction in payments to composers and songwriters. Um, YouTube says I don't that, buy the, that. Yeah, it's I don't buy that it's a 70% reduction. Well, and it says YouTube says that its new offer reflects this gap in the performance. So they're saying like, but it was rejected Coda on basis that the minimum guarantee was not same as the previous deal. So they're not hitting the minimums, and therefore they. It's kind of like if I'm just a publisher or just a, if I have, am I'm at ASCAP or BMI, and I'm just a songwriter and I don't hit my hundred dollars per 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 pay period, I'm not getting a check. So I think right. is that kind of what they're looking at here. I, I mean, I, that makes sense that, like, for example, if Coda is demanding minimums and it's just not reflecting in the performance and YouTube is overpaying, I can see them trying to renegotiate the value down. Um, I think 70 percent sounds like a lot, and I'm not sure where that number comes from. You know, obviously, it's private uh, accounting. Um, but both sides seem to be weaponizing some piece of the information, and and obviously YouTube holds the uh, – the control over whether that content exists at all. I know just from you know working in the YouTube space that it was immediate. I know people said it was a threat. It wasn't a threat. You know, Friday morning I was on phone calls and emails about music not being available in Denmark. So I, I, I assume that it's kind of taking the same approach as uh, the way that Content ID rolls out, which is it starts with the newest and most popular and then works down the list to the oldest and least popular over a course of processing. Mm -hmm. So so. I mean, there we could go on for a while on that. I, I want to go back to this Facebook and, you know, I'm, I'm digging deeper into what they were saying, you know, launching a new destination for music and Facebook watch where you can explore music videos by genre artists moved as well as themed playlists. You'll find timely playlists like Populous Week and New This Week. Plus, there'll be updates to artist pages so fans and specific acts can find and browse the official musics for videos for artists you love. So. Here is another, my, my big question here, can Facebook be everything to everybody? And with that being said, because if we also, not even looking at the the uh, Instagram, like the TikTok 
uh, you know, what, what like reels, what they're trying to do is they're trying to take on TikTok. And then the, now we know what you see what's going on with TikTok and Microsoft. But tying this all together, Microsoft used to own Mixer, which was a competitor to Twitch for live streaming and, and gaming. So now Microsoft just unloaded Mixer over to Facebook gaming. And now it's like, I'm, is it confusing to what Facebook is? Is there going to be antitrust at some point? Can it be everything to everybody? I think I have one note on that, and then I think we just have to wait and see, which is that Snapchat recently announced a bunch of music licenses. Snapchat, we know, is a content platform now. It's less about the messaging, though that's still primary, but they're making a big hard push into original content and other kind of licensing deals like that. TikTok is obviously in a bit of a bind. Um, you know, they recently uh, upgraded some of their mechanical licensing agreements, their negotiations with the labels, the labels love them for the data, but they're obviously, you know, in a tough uh, tough position. Facebook getting into music in a more concerted way, YouTube having to renegotiate a bunch of licenses, um, Twitch now with, with you know, uh, Jeff Bezos in Congress revealing that he doesn't know if Twitch even pays for music, and the answer is they don't. <laughs> Everybody's got this sort of like, you know, uh, magnifying glass on music rights when it comes to all uh, social media and video platforms. I love that we're having a much larger and more robust public commentary on it and that we might re-examine some of the rights and stuff in Congress about that. However, I don't know that any of these platforms are particularly good vehicles for delivering music. And that, to your point about Facebook being everything to everybody, we know what Snapchat is. We know what TikTok is. We know what, uh, you know, sort of what works for those platforms. And Facebook just keeps experimenting in a googly kind of way. Uh, but it, it confuses the message. And I think you're right that it can't be everything to everybody um, and it shouldn't try to be. Right. And, and I think we, you know, maybe next time, uh, next week we can talk a little bit more about the case act, which might be going uh, to up, up for the vote soon. And we have the, uh, was it the Oregon uh, Congressman is holding that up about the uh, uh, saying that the, the, it's not fair. The infringement, penalties is not fair for somebody that just wants to share a social on something on social media. So there's a the dancing whole baby lawsuit thing. all over again. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. All right. Thanks a lot, Sam. As always, great stuff. Uh, Spotify. So Spotify CEO Daniel Ek discussed streaming and sustainability in a recent interview with Music Ally. And he denied criticisms that Spotify pays insufficient royalties to artists and insisted that the role of the musician had changed in today's landscape. He's quoted as saying, the artists of today that are making it realize that it's about creating a continuous engagement with their fans. It's about putting together, the putting the work in, about the storytelling, about the album, and about keeping a continuous dialogue with your fans. So with that being said, I know Dave is here with us. Dave, how are you doing? I am blessed, Peter. All right. Blessed. It's great to see you. Always wonderful. Uh, I, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. So, uh, you know, I'm going to let you ride with this. Let's hear what you got to say. Well, I mean, I can't say I can't say that he's wrong, but he's right in, in, a, in a game that he created himself. And that's not a game that everybody needs to play. Um, you know, you can you can make a lot of money 
uh, playing in a cover band. You'll probably make more money playing in a cover band at your local bar. Well, maybe not right now, but in, in time, then you would releasing albums on Spotify because they're, they're paying you pennies. But the, the point that he's making is about um, conversation with your fans. If you're lucky enough to have fans or if you're blessed enough to have fans and you actually build up a fan base. So if you can imagine that you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or an other, whatever um, it is that you have, if you stop talking to that person tonight or tomorrow, you're probably going to break up by Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, because relationships are based on communication. So if you stop communicating to your fans, they're going to go listen to another band and your band just won't be that successful. So doing things like back in the days where you spend a year or two years in the studio really working on your song and then you release your 10 songs and expect that, you know, you're going to have a magical mystery tour and everybody's going to love you. It's just not going to happen because there's so much content that's being eaten all the time. So you got to understand and play the game of this if you want to play that game. And that has nothing to do with your instrument or how much you love writing songs or how much you love listening to songs. It has nothing to do with that. It's specifically about Spotify. And if you want to get that million streams or whatever it is. So if you can almost imagine it as um, every time you put a quarter in the machine, right, to get your little uh, bobblehead doll, your little ninja doll or your little stringy thing when you go to the grocery store, Every time you put a quarter in, you might get an awesome smiley face toy, or you might get two smiley face toys, or you might get no toys. You might put a quarter in and you get nothing, but you have to put the quarter in to be in the game. And that is the Spotify game, right? So if you release a hundred tunes, that's a better chance that one of your hundred tunes is going to pop. But if you wait three years to release 10 tunes, your, your chances are really diminishing. And the last thing I wanna say is it's the Russ model, right? Cause that's really what he's talking about is the Russ model. And Russ, if anybody doesn't know Russ, Google him. But Russ really came up with the concept of he's gonna release a song every week, right? And he's gonna do that for 50, 50 weeks a year. And that's gonna be five albums a year. So not one album every four years or three years, five albums every year. So by the time you put out your th your album every three years, he already put out 15 albums. So what do you think the chances are that your album is going to be successful versus his 15 or his 15 albums is going to have a better chance to be successful than yours? And that is the Spotify game. And again, you don't have to play the Spotify game. It doesn't have to be you. Make music because you love it. But to play the Spotify game, more is more. End scene. Boom. I love it. Uh, you know, there, there was one, he also had this quote, and I, and I, and I, I agree with you this. It's, you know, he built the sandbox to allow people to play, and it's like, and that's his, that's his thing. He said, I feel really that the ones that aren't doing well in streaming are predominantly people who want to release music the way it used to be released. And he's telling you, he's saying, this is what I built, this is what we're doing, and this is what you wanted, you know, you should be doing on this platform. There are other op options. And what happens is I feel people don't want to hear somebody telling them something they don't want to hear. That's pretty much what it comes down to. People, people don't want to hear from him because they're looking at this guy, this Spotify model, as something that pays pennies. So if you know that your music has been devalued so much, why are you going to listen to the guy that devalued your music? And I think that's what that's why people find the anger in that um, you know perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's there. There's there's a lot. There's going to be detractors. There's going to be people pro against. And I just think that. It's done a lot. He's done a lot of great for the music industry. And we could go in like in 
you know, go line by line about the different things and how much you get paid for a stream and people still comparing it to radio play and that, you know, it's, it's like, oh, I got a stream and it was listened to a million times and this is how much I, pay, I got paid. But if I was on the radio and I wrote the song, I got paid this. It's like, it's, it's apples and oranges and that's what people get caught up in. So thanks, Dave. I love, I love the, I love it. And, uh, you know, always great. So, uh, you know, let's talk about, uh, distractions and, you know, there are a lot of distractions right now going on and potentially hazardous thought patterns going on in the world right now. So how can you navigate through all that and maintain a healthy mindset? Here to talk about how to put a velvet rope around your mindset is Aisha Damo. So tell us about this velvet rope. I love the velvet rope, um, right on. you know, in a certain way. <laughs> so here's what's up. You know, the democratization of the internet, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. It's both good and bad. On the one hand, it's allowed certain voices that might not have been able to be heard previously because of location or accessibility to have that opportunity to be heard and to be seen. But on the other hand, it's given this soapbox to anyone with any crazy ass idea at all. Oh, am I allowed to say that? Oops. Yeah. Um, You're good. Um, <laughs> Go crazy, go for it. Let let it ride, let it rip, just go. <laughs> so it runs the gambit from, you know, your Twitter political pundits who are probably surviving off of hot pockets in their parents' basement to these wayward intellectuals who are really on the fringe to just those annoying Facebook friends that I know we all have who just make us cringe with their posts. What's more is that and during this time, during the quarantine, we're at home, we're on the internet more, we're working on computers all day because we're working from home. It creates this thing where you can't avoid a lot of those voices and they become much louder and more annoying in your head. And the urge to combat them in your head becomes even more prevalent. So whether you're a creative artist or not, all of this noise distracts us from what we came to the planet to do, what we've got on our agenda to really put forth in the world. And that's why I think it's really important that we find a way to quiet those outer wayward voices and just get focused on what we have to bring to the table. So that's where I came up with putting a velvet rope around your mindset. There's so much riffraff out there that we need to start enforcing a stricter door policy. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, it's really important to limit your time on social media. But today, what I really wanna talk about is when those ideas have already gotten in there, when you've seen that post that you just can't unsee, or when you listen to that podcast and they say something that just uh, makes you facepalm. At that point, you have to just take a pause and say, okay, this thing, this thing is starting to kick around in my head and it's not going away. Let's recognize that there's a visitor on the premises that mm, maybe shouldn't be there, an uninvited guest. Um, the next step is check that guest list. Does this idea kicking around your head do anything for you? Does like combating this idea and getting all like worked up about the idea give you some creative mojo or does it motivate you in some way? If it doesn't, then we need to move on to step three. And step three, 
I'm taking it back to the old school. I'm taking it back to 1992, the techno classic, The Bouncer by Kicks Like a Mule, which offers this wonderful wisdom of, oh, you're not on the list. You're not getting in. Not tonight. So, you know, you just need to take those voices in your head that are getting ready to combat these outside ideas and be like, "Mm, not tonight. Like, bye now. Bye, Felicia. Because gotta keep the door policy around your mindset keep it clean in there so you can focus on what you came to do if you don't like their attitude if you don't like their shoes do the bouncer thing kick them out bounce those ideas out of there and get your work done because that's what you came to do and that's my thing for this week I, I love it. I love it. And, and that reminds me of the uh, Alan T. The Door, that that house track. And it's the doorman is like, you to the left, you, you to the right. No, honey, you're not getting in here. But fierceness is always welcome. Yes. Yes. Fierceness is always welcome. Good <laughs> right on. Fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Aisha. And you, so let, let's talk about moving into the next direction with the mindset is the old paradigm versus the new paradigm, which is marked for many of us as a COVID world. It's a new era and you got to adapt to discuss the ways being an artist that are no longer sustainable in this new world. Stephanie Carlin, Stephanie, hey, how's everything? Hey there. I am great. How are you, Peter? Fantastic. So, uh, I, you know, this uh, the whole old paradigm, the old way of doing things. And I think there's that kind of a theme here because what when Daniel, we were talking about with the Duke about Spotify and saying it's like, this is the old way of doing things. You got to change because this is what's happening and you, you have to adapt. Yeah, I'd really like to tie in to what Dave and Aisha talked about because I am really, really thrilled to be part of this new paradigm to be a part of like, it's really a totally uncharted world. And I believe COVID marks this shift in our physical world. And I believe this shift has been coming for years. And I love watching this old stuff get decimated and be part of the generation that does the difficult work of transitioning into a better America, a better music industry, a better world for all. And Alanis Morissette has a new song and it's called Such Pretty Forks in the Road. And I love the title. I couldn't agree more. That's where we are. And last week, Alanis hopped on a public Zoom interview with Liz Fair in the LA Times. And I just want to say, like, I'm self-conscious to even mention these two icons because I know what's been ingrained in me about them. I have been fall I have fallen into the trap of being so annoyed by Alanis Morissette without any reason other than the opinions of others said for me to be annoyed. People hate her. And I realized I, I don't even know why they hate her. Is it that she was strong in a time where it was just more popular to be fuckable? I mean, I, I just remember rolling my eyes every time I heard her name when I was an emerging songwriter. I just did not want to be pigeonholed into being like Alanis. And I really have no idea why, looking back. All I know is I was told over and over again, that's not the type of songwriter you want to be. And I see now that we're taught to hate certain women, especially in this industry, and we just don't know why. Now, she's this one's not in this in the music industry, but it's similar to Monica Lewinsky. What does that name conjure up to you? For most, it's the blue dress. But it's not that she's a massive anti-bullying advocate. That is not what gets covered in the news. It's not what she's known for, her humanitarian work. And 
This is what Liz and Alanis talked about on their Zoom call as part of the old paradigm, which by the way, I don't get why any artist will miss this unless you benefited from it. And I wanna share a quote from it. Alanis called it out. She said, quote, back then it was a very guy centric time. Labels, musicians, they didn't know what to do with me. If they couldn't screw me, they would ignore me. It was like I was an alien. I was gonna sleep with them or I wasn't gonna exist. And she continued, she said, there were exceptions of course, but that was pretty much how it was. A lot of men in the 90s would say to me, oh, I love women. Women are amazing. And then I'm like, no, no, no. You like to fuck women. That's not the same thing, end quote. And then Liz went on to talk about how as a woman, you were either tokenized or masculinized in the music industry. And like one woman at a time would be played by radio stations. So I say all this just to say, yeah, the industry is changing. Yeah, um, artists are angry at Spotify and it feels like this industry is really evolving, but so much of it wasn't working anyway. It was only working for the people who created and benefited from an oppressed culture. And now is the time for transformation and transformation gets sticky. Transformation only lives inside a crisis. So I wonder, are you going to be part of the transformation? I bet if you're here with us today, you are. And one place to start is with like Taylor Swift, same thing. Like, I hated Taylor Swift so much before I watched her documentary on Netflix. You should watch it. She is incredibly awesome, but I've been manipulated into thinking she's lame. But actually I've just been subliminally set up to dislike women by a culture that benefits from it. So I ask you, every time you wanna roll your eyes at anyone, men included, just think about if it's your thoughts or someone else's because the new paradigm requires us to trust ourselves and not get spoon fed opinions by the oppressors that those manipulations serve. Boom. I mean, it, you yeah. you just really you just locked you just took that home. So uh, today, I mean, everybody was fantastic today. I just I just want to put that out there. Everybody was just spot on. It's like so much so much passion, so much drive, and like and so much great information. And and I know. Stephanie, I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to try to dig in deeper where you were going because that would almost detract. But there is something that you have going on that you started. Uh, it's a five day trust challenge. Can you tell us a little about this? Yeah, so I was seeing uh, with all of my clients, all the artists I work with, all the creative entrepreneurs uh, I partner with, that pe people are really struggling right now with how to pivot inside this new paradigm. And I say it starts with trusting yourself and weeding out all these outdated belief systems. So I am now doing a trust yourself challenge for creators, artistic leaders, and entrepreneurs. And I'd love for you to join us. Well, where can we, uh, where can we find out more? I'm going to put it in the show notes. So tell us where you can find it. Yeah, it's free to join. Uh, we're on day three tomorrow. You can grab all the replays if you sign up over at the Women's Collective, that's with an S, thewomenscollective.com forward slash challenge. Right on. All right. Thank you so much. I am going to put it in the show notes. And that's it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, love to hear your thoughts in the comments down below. If there's anything else you, uh, you'd like to talk, uh, talk about, then let us know more. Uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast players as well. You can go to musicindustrycity.com to find out more. And once again, thank you to our co-hosts, Sam, Aisha, Stephanie, and the Duke. 
Have a wonderful time. Have a wonderful day and see you next time.